Hello and welcome to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and an economist walk into a podcast and talk stuff. Stephen, how are you doing? Good, I'm good, Anne. How are you getting on? I'm good. I'm good, I'm good. As is, I don't know, the classic Irish response to that question. Yeah. We won't love too much though, will we? Did you know that Ireland ranks um, 16th in the world uh, for, for the Human Development Index? Actually, was sixteenth. The current the current thing is eighteenth. Um, so so when people, it's based mostly on surveys. Uh, li- okay. Life expectancy in Ireland is very high. Um, it's increasing about a year a decade. It's it's really really good. Um, mm-hmm. We are uh, you know our health outcomes are so much better. We've got you know uh, high speed broadband in most places. You know like the basic rudiments of a modern life most people in Ireland have um, as opposed to the rest of the world. So, so, you know, the, the you know, literacy, higher education, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the other, um, so, so the, the kind of irrefutable, easily countable things we do very well, but then, then there were also survey data on, you know, what, what is it like to live in this place? And, you know, how are you getting on? Are, you know, do, what about pollution? Do you, what about the noise? Do you enjoy, uh, um, do, do you enjoy your life and how happy are you on a scale of one to 10 and all this kind of stuff. And um, I think I have a very strong suspicion that Irish people skew the um, large scale international surveys um, that are conducted by statistical organizations around the world who, who are not generally Irish and who don't understand that, grand is everything on a likert scale from two to nine and a half like you know <laughs> exactly. and they, don't, they don't get that and um you know how we i'm grand you know on a scale of one to five what are you going to you're going to put that on with one is awful and five is brilliant ah, it's about a four or a three yeah you know, I, I actually think that there is a a skewing uh, that's really that. funny and i think i think you're right because um <laughs> yeah we just don't like for for a bit of a moaning nation we, we are moaners in fairness but when it comes to like push comes to shove we, we tend to be like I don't know everything's fine I remember uh, hearing this joke of somebody asking for directions in Kerry or, or somewhere like Kerry and saying you know how far away is the um the post office I said oh about five miles five miles oh maybe three <laughs> it just sums it up yeah, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, or, or, or when you see people, you don't see it anymore, but you see people who are like, they're trying to give directions to a place they don't know the directions mm. to. And they then call a friend over and they're like, oh, do you know how to get to this place? And they're like, they try to kind of arrange the directions between the two of them, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's brilliant. Like it's, it's. And is that brilliant. something though, when you think of that directions and everything, is that something we're losing? And kind of something we're going to touch on today, because do people ask for directions as much with the advent of technology? No, they don't. In fact, you can, you can very often hear that when you have somebody who's, you know, grown up on Google Maps, um, uh, talking with somebody who hasn't. You know, they, they'll still go, well, now what you want to do is take a right on I-95 and all this kind of stuff. And they're going, just give me the air code. They go, well, no. And then after that, what you need to do is you need to, you know, find the second sheep, third from the, re- third from the left. And then, you know, it'll be the one with the red arse and then go left. And it's like, no, no, just give me the air code. I'll just put it in. It'll be fine. And, you know, they're, 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 that difference is, it's really interesting watching that frustration happen. Uh, and it's, and um, this is yeah. this is kind of something that we're, as I said, we're kind of going to talk about today is 
were well kind of around forgetting and that are mm. losing things but that ability to follow directions to to give directions you know it's it's a it's a very strong tenet of any language you'll ever learn Mm-hmm. You know, it's Ouela à droite, you know? Yeah. Ouela yeah. Centre Georges Pompidou. Ouela yeah. Bibliothèque yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that's yeah. a gauche à droite and all the things, Garada House. So, yeah. and, and so, kind of, yeah, something we were going to kind of talk about today was uh, in general, we, we've hinted that we've talked about this, gee, who knows how long ago now, but. Um, if you're listening to this one episode, then it doesn't matter. Uh, basically, the forgetting. That yeah, is. so I've, I've, this has come up. It's, it's sort of a, a passing obsession of mine. I can't really think about... Um, I can't think about many things without trying to think about... Without, without kind of coming back to this idea, which is often a good sign that there might be a book in it. Um, so I'm thinking about... Uh, how we forget we being society um and how time marches forward and you know that old saying like time heals all wounds Mm. what that really means is it makes you forget about the wounds Mm. you know um so we had a couple of events this week so on the week that we're recording this uh john hume the nobel laureate and peacemaker died um Mm -hmm. and also there was a massive explosion uh of um ammonium nitrate in um, Lebanon, in Beirut. And mm. um, what was really interesting, what, what connects the two of those kind of weird events was, uh, of, of course, um, uh, fertilizer bombs were a, a big feature of the, uh, the, what are euphemistically called the troubles in mm. Northern Ireland. Um, but the reporters, the reporters were, were asked by people up the north, you know, what is this ammonium nitrate stuff? You know, and the reporter was of a certain generation and said, like, there was, you know, there's nobody in uh, in Belfast in, or in Derry in in 1980 who wouldn't know what this stuff was, you know. But now they don't. They're, they've forgotten it, you know. And I, I, I didn't agree with, um, so the journalist was Philip Berger Hayes from RTE. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree with his point. I thought it was a bit like, ooh, that's a bit on the nose, sort of telling everybody in Derry knows how to make a bomb or whatever. I, I, I didn't agree with his point, but he kind of clarified it later on. Um, what he meant was that this was something that was common knowledge when he started off reporting. And n- now it wasn't. And because of people like John Hume and his peacemaking activities, we'd forgotten or that they'd forgotten that this was a thing that you sort of needed to, no. On a much more banal scale, when I started in college, um, the professors were giving out about the fact that nobody calculated using slide rules anymore. You know, Ooh. we all had calculators, which is a bit like Google Maps versus a big paper map. You know, there is a skill that you lose. Like there is a mental speed of calculation that you certainly lose by yeah. constantly reaching for the calculator. And we don't even have calculators anymore. We just have phones, you know, so, so th- there is that. But that idea of forgetting and then in a t- in a total um totally different um vein we had uh uh just on twitter today uh a, a video of Sinn Féin's Pierre Starty who's their finance spokesman um from from the time he was a teenager he's 43 i think now so he's roughly our vintage mm-hmm. um and he it's just him 
being a teenager in a shop. That's all. Um, that's what I get. In, in poor the priesty are looking yeah, for yeah. pants. <laughs> looking for pants. Who isn't looking for pants? I think we're, we're all we're all uh, 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 in a certain sense looking for pants. But our but, um, the question is, as we record this, uh, are either of us wearing pants? I I I am I am wearing pants. I, I, I'm wearing pants. I, I can uh, confirm. I'm just going to keep pants. everyone guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, oh, you're going to leave us hanging. Leave us hanging. About the pants situation. Bit of mystery. Huh? Bit of mystery. Okay, okay. So, so Schrodinger's pants, really, like, are they on? Are they off? Really, they're both, you know? At the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Pierce Sardy was looking for pants in the yeah. 90s. For pants. Irish. Yeah, and so people are giving him a kind of good-natured ribbing on Twitter, going, "Oh, floppy hair, ha, ha, whatever," right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so compare. So we've got this kind of social forgetting of how to read a map, how to use a slide rule, the Northern Ireland story, if you agree with that, and um, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, like forgetting how to do certain things, you mm. know. Um, and then you have this kind of memory which appears almost immediately. Uh, to you know, and, and and this is from I guess the nineties, right? Uh, so it's a videotape, and it just sort of appears, and it's like, oh my god, there's Pierce Doherty, and there's some other young fellas in the in the, the video. They they have not achieved political office, uh, and so you know their their families are just probably laughing at them, um, yeah, like yeah. any videos from when you're younger. So th- the, that has not been forgotten, and now because it's on Twitter, will never be forgotten, right. you know. Um, and so there's that thing of like. In a certain sense, we're forgetting faster, right? Because the thing that was a controversial topic a week ago on Twitter is definitely not now, right? I think mm-hmm. We forget these things faster. But at another level, we forget nothing because it's all searchable. It's all there in the long tail of some database. You know, the um, embarrassing photo from college is waiting to get you uh, yes. come the big job in 20 years' time. You know, uh, and there's that joke. Yeah, there's that joke about um, COVID people. You know, there are five-year-olds who in 35 years will be running the country and they're currently being raised by, they're being homeschooled by sort of stressed out alcoholics and all this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, it is interesting, by the way, um, the latest fiscal data came out and uh, tax taxes are up on things like excise. So people are, drinking a fair bit more, but 18% more actually. Um, okay. uh, yeah, which is obviously not great in the, mm-hmm. in the longer term, but if it's a coping mechanism, you know, as long as it's not forever, that's okay. But it goes back to that thing, right? Yeah. We have this tension and I'm, I, I'm obsessed by it because parts of our society forget nothing and parts of us almost forget everything and then in the middle, you have these kind of weird uh, confluences where something you've forgotten comes back to get you. Yes. You know, we had the situation this week where um, a celebrity, I forget her name, but she had to apologize for something that she said when she was nine. Maddie Siegler. Yes. Currently yes. barely, she's still a teenager. She's a dancer. Oh, she is? Okay. Yeah. She was yeah. in that chandelier video by Sia. The little kid danced around in the kind of... I will send it to you to the WhatsApp. She's an amazing dancer. She's okay. She's like, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, but this kind of stuff, 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe I I don't know anything better. Maybe she. Well, maybe what she did when she was nine was utterly awful. But I don't want to be judged by the things I did when I was nine. No, uh, I'm pretty sure. She's I, taking I, yeah. the. As far as I know, she's apologizing for taking this out of an accent. I mean, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay. okay. Uh, but also, I mean, you know, if there's ever a time in your life where you can be as as bigoted, racist, or whatever, it's when you're a kid and you're figuring out the world. I'm not. You know what I mean? Like you, you're you're saying things out. You're testing boundaries. You're you're figuring the world out, and you're going to make mistakes. Because that's the time to make. I mean, we're all going to make mistakes, but yeah, kids and be corrected, fail right. and get shit wrong, and oh, like it's just yeah. that over policing. But it's it's funny actually. We talk about the the speed at which things get forgotten. Um, I remember when Princess Diana uh, was killed in the car accident, mm. and then the joke started coming out like a month oh. or so later. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was like, ooh, this is really soon for a joke. Mm. Whereas mm. now, and obviously that was a it was a very sad situation yeah. but i remember however many years ago kim young what was the dad's name kim gong jin was it eel kim john eel kim john eel yes i didn't know this because it's the sake of the joke i wanted to make uh he died and i wasn't really online that day and the next day i was on my facebook and i went kim gone ill or something like that and two people chimed in it's too late on that was yesterday's joke <laughs> i was like I used to have used to have months to wait before you could think of the clever thing, and it's that kind of I say that speed, um, and that and and uh, and even that notion of of forgetting. What I think is quite interesting. What you're saying is there is that sense that I like I'm very happy. My teenage my nine year old Anne was not documented. My you know teenage Anne was not, and because uh, you know I grew up post uh, before <laughs> before social media like yourself and um and yet there is uh there were things that from our time that were very much remembered in a very um you kind of have to retain information in a different way because you couldn't look things up at the touch of a button you you know i find my memory now is crap because mm. the way i operate and maybe this is what you're about to get on to but Certainly when I was younger, if you needed, to, if you wanted to know who was in, if you're watching a movie and you're like, what was that person in? You couldn't just look up IMDb. You had to kind of yeah. yeah. figure it out and use your brain, that elasticity in your brain. And um, yeah, that's kind of, I can feel it in myself. Mm. That's lessening. Yeah. And then what it implies is that the ability to <coughs> concentrate and focus really, really clearly on something is going to become an increasingly scarce thing mm. because you know when i see it i see it with students you know like like they're in lectures and you can see them and they're they really want to be sort of they start off like yep 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 okay you know and it's it's and so and, and you immediately go oh my god it's me i'm crap at this the visual there Stephen yeah was was looking at me and then turned to uh, his phone. as if it were a phone. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> it is an uh, audio, uh, an audio podcast. <laughs> it's an audio podcast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, the idea of how one forgets. Mm. And can you choose to forget something? You know, um, and what happens if everyone remembers something 
in a certain way. Like, so uh, Limerick, 1978, they beat the All Blacks. Yeah. Oh, I know. So you, you would have heard this because the number of people who went to that match is approximately 7.3 billion. <laughs> um, everyone who wasn't even born then was at that match. I was three weeks old and I was there. Definitely. You were there. You were there. Yeah, definitely. You invaded I helped, the pitch. I helped score the winning try. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and so, so that's sort of like a, 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 I won't call it a folk memory um, for a very specific reason, but it's, it's something that sort of everybody remembers. Mm-hmm. Recently, we had a Jack Charlton pass away, mm-hmm. uh, Big Jack. And, you know, everybody of our generation remembers not just the matches, but kind of the feeling. Yeah. The excitement of just like, what's going to happen next? Oh my God, he saved the goal. You know, I can still remember, I can remember where I was sitting when Paki Bono scored the goal. You, you were know. sitting? Yeah, I yeah. Standing. There was about I was standing. 40 of us in a house. People. Yeah. <laughs> we went over, we went over to a, to a friend's house who had a giant, te- to one of these giant tellies or what mm. back in the day was a giant telly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, the telly went about six feet back. Yes, yeah, I was, was going to say giant... it was probably as thick as it was tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was beyond. Yeah, yeah. And it was. Uh, it used to be a pub telly. That's why we we were like, mm-hmm. oh yes, this is great. So we watched it on this towering yoke, and it was it was. I mean, really interesting. You know, gen- genuinely uh, listening to people have their reminiscences about this guy, and, and particularly for him, you know, he was somebody who was a hero in two different countries. Mm. You know, which is yeah. which is it's hard to be a national hero in two different countries. Like very to put, hard to be a national hero in Ireland when you're English. When right? you're English, yeah. Something else. That's a, that's, 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 a, that's a tough one, like. Yeah. You know, that's a tough I, one. Um, I remember I watched uh, a lot of the where television was. It was kind of in line with the door to the living room. And I couldn't handle the penalty shootout. I couldn't handle the tension. I'm a big soccer fan growing up. I played yeah. soccer and everything. And I went outside the door and looked through the keyhole at the penalty yeah. being taken. Not every one of them, but a lot of them. Uh, let's say the in-betweeny ones, you know. Sure. And uh, it was funny, actually, when... I, I still... I remember all the... Uh, there's also a part, a part in your life where you remember a lot more, or like when your brain is a sponge. And I still remember Tomofte from Romania going up to take the penalty against Paki Bonner. Yes. And there was something just about him that did not look confident. Yeah. And something in us dared not to dream, you know. And then he hung, he kind of duffed it and Paki dived and yeah. saved it. Oh, my God. Just, and he did a little uh, jump in the air afterwards. Remember that? He was like, he did a little oh, like, yeah. skip, you know. And then, it was, oh. and then up to O'Leary. And it was all like, oh, God, not David O'Leary. O'Leary. <laughs> Everybody. O'Leary. What? <laughs> but it's funny how that is just like you and i are talking about this we've never spoken about it before but it is just etched in there because it's yeah we were 11 12 yeah yeah Um, and it's a moment of kind of high social drama right hmm. um and i can remember uh, there there are other moments like that but they're 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 few and far between Mm -hmm. um like uh the um yeah a lot of people remember the river dance first time river dance was uh aired on um on during the eurovision song contest the intervention act yeah the intervention act that was i think everybody kind of sat back and went what like nobody nobody was expecting to be that good and they kind of blew everyone off the stage and there was a kind of a i don't really remember anything else about that eurovision song contest 
which I watch every year religiously. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, I, I, I think I, I watch it more to, now I watch it more to read my, uh, the things my wife writes on Facebook, <laughs> which are just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but even the pride of place that, that took in, 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 in like culturally, do you know, like very little occupies that much mm. significance now. Do you yeah. know, like you have a few exactly. things that are shared experiences, things like Game of Thrones that did transcend uh into all over the world like sure. you know it sure. the references are there i had this mad thing where um i was in montreal a few years ago with my show and i'm staying in touch with people and they got in touch with me they're like uh, so like are you watching dairy girls and i'm like yeah you know like this there there's weird kind of transcendence of culture yeah that's happening because the internet yeah. there's other stuff that's getting very specialized and even myself and my wife watch different shows. Like we don't watch everything together. Do you know? And really? Oh yeah. We, we, oh. you know, we call it parallel play. <laughs> <laughs> Some things, I mean, she's very into vampires. I'm very into legal stuff and you know, uh, and then there's plenty of media watch, but the point being that, yeah, that you'd said something there, like, can we choose to forget or what? Do we yeah. So, so how, how do we choose to forget? So, so imagine a painful memory, like, so to talk about the, the stuff that's happened up in, in the North over the last say 50 years, right? A lot of that's incredibly painful. Can people choose to forget? Um, do they want to forget? Does time simply force a forgetting because these people pass away, right? The people who experienced the thing, do they pass, they pass on and is, is that it or is there something else? You know, um, there's a, there's a really, there's an idea of, of a collective memory, okay. um, which has very, very recently been, um, been uh, kind of debunked and pulled apart by a guy called Guy Biner. And Guy Biner is an Israeli uh, historian, but who has worked in Ireland and actually has a PhD from anyway, Galway. Um, on uh, on Ireland and like the kind of the history of uh, terrorism and the and also the oral history of pandemics. So it's like, how do people forget? Which is where this kind of came from in my head. It's like mm -hmm. 1918, the pandemic in 1918 does not exist in history books. No, and it's it's not mentioned much. It, it, it it's barely mentioned, as a matter of fact. And there's a really there's a really good reason why um, a lot of it is about um, forgetting. And so Beiner has this theory of social forgetting, which is that everyone in society simply decides this is not that big a deal. We're mm. going to just call it a day. Um, and he has a, he has a book, which I, I, I read uh, this week called forgetful remembrance, uh, social forgetting and vernacular historiography of the rebellion in Ulster. So it's a very, it's a very old kind of uh, um, idea, but he's, he's done like, this guy is one of the, he's, he's a brilliant historian. Um, but what's, what's, what's sort of fascinating, um, what's sort of fascinating about Beiner in particular is like he, he combines everything together. So he takes the history, his, the, 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 the old school historical stuff. He takes the, the folklore he takes the stories the poems the oral histories the journals everything he pulls it all together in this like 
amazing way, you know. Um, And I'm absolutely not qualified to comment on how awesome this guy is, but I thought he was awesome. Um, The the book is great. Um, And it's that idea about a forgetful remembrance, Mm. right? So something happens and you go, can you in can you or can society kind of move past it or not? You know, like in our culture, in the Irish culture anyway, the, there's, there's this kind of like monolithic uh, moment in our shared culture. And it's the uh, famine of the 1840s, right? And so could we decide to forget that? I mean, we're taught it, you know, should we? I mean, should we forget that? Because there have been other famines before the 1841 famine. There were famines since. Yeah. But we don't remember those, right? They're not part of our shared culture, do you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, but could we, as a society, decide on this, you know? Like, I'm thinking as well about the 2007, 2008 crisis. Mm. I am astonished at how quickly people have forgotten it. I'm... I'm astonished because it was a brutal thing. It was a real shock. Um, mm. it, it was, you know, the, in particular in Ireland, like things went really, really, really wrong for lots of people. And it was a lot of stress, a lot of upset, a lot of misery. Um, but when I teach it now, and I think I said this to you before, I teach it now to people who were 10 at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Or, or eight even. And for them, it's like, it, may, it doesn't have any emotional resonance. It may as well be... A discussion of the famine, you know, yeah. and if yeah. anything, they've got more of an emotional resonance with the famine than they do with the global financial crisis. So things become history faster than I would have ever anticipated. Yeah, um, and I think it's only when you hit your forties you kind of see this, because every because you can sort of your adulthood fifteen years back from your adulthood you're twenty five, so you're mm-hmm. like okay, you know, I think I actually think it's something like ten to fifteen years something becomes history. History, you no, know, that is something you've made that point. Yeah, and I. Yeah. This is something as well. And of course, I always go with your facts and figures and books. And then it's my friend told me, um, is my, uh, tends to be my source of, of information. And your friends are cool. Hey, well, I remember years ago uh, speaking to this woman. I was teaching English, one of the many things I've done in my time doing TEFL. And this woman had lived in Japan for a number of years. And she talked about the culture there. And she said it was, she, you know, it's stuff we wouldn't really be, I suppose, familiar with. And Japan was an incredibly, obviously, ancient civilization, you know, the empires and samurai and all that stuff, yeah. which is still, obviously, we, we know of now. But with the, like, atomic bomb aside, uh, a lot of cities were, she said, were destroyed 300%. Like, they were bombed, then they were bombed, and then they were bombed again. And... Oh. You know, and you've got this, so we often just think the atomic bombs, but like Japan was destroyed and so much of it um, was just eviscerated, you know, yeah. and, and it's a similar thing with, we, we kind of in a way with Germany too, as well as the countries that were on the wrong side of, of, mm. of victory. And she said the mad thing with Japan was the Americans who, who um, destroyed it uh, then arrived with televisions and technology mm. and we're seen very much as 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 saviors uh and okay. and he an american was a very like you think these these are the people who actually 
300% destroyed your city or else dropped an atomic bomb on two of your major cities yeah. and then came in with technology and, and were saviors. And if you look at Japan and, and, and Germany to a certain extent, they're so forward looking. Yeah. They are not ones to dwell in the past. Germany for very, very obvious reasons. J Japan, mm. like they basically, it was kind of like everything was taken Mm. place uh as i said this is my, my friend told me okay this is not necessarily as strong uh i always have to you have to cite sources i cite mates uh i'm the pub talk gal and that um you know th this forward focus of technology and they were always like remember growing up like if something mad happened or if there was some mad new technology it had come from japan do you know what i mean yeah. japan was always at the forefront of technology mm. and i suppose when you talk about a forgetting it's like it is that it's like we're forward looking we are the technological people but ultimately their their conquerors had come in then as saviors mm. and there was a forgetting that the americans were technically the bad guys do you yeah. know and, and i'm sure that's not yeah. it's that kind of colonial thing as well yeah yeah I, and uh we i'm trying to get my kids to understand that it's important to learn irish uh, when I was uh, when I was in school in Dublin, our our Irish teacher was also our physics teacher, and he was like, "Here's a here's a piece of paper. Learn off the piece of paper, and let's get to doing some physics." This has been your Irish class. We're out. So I have like eight words of Irish. It's a disaster, mm. um, and I I I wish I had known. I wish I knew more. But my attitude to it was precisely that of of this is a dead language, it's a waste of time, it's, it's not something that I, I need to know. Um, I, I, if I want to get ahead in the world, I should certainly do more physics than, than Irish. Um, and what I've learned since um, is that that is a completely colonialist mindset. Mm. So the, the first thing the colonist does is take away your language and your history and your traditions. It's the first thing they do. Um, they wipe those out, they suppress them. They move them away um, and uh, they, they re-educate you in their language. And yeah. two generations later, you've forgotten, right? And so this idea of forcefully making people forget, you know, yeah. and we glorify hedgerow schools that kept the language alive, um, but we have an educational policy which ensures that almost all of the people who do over a decade's worth of learning in the subject are, are unable to speak it by the end. You know, that is, I mean, that, that, I do think that's a separate podcast about the Fair. Irish language. And I, no, no. And no, cause I was about yeah. to say something and I went, I don't know if we'll get like, cause I'm, I'm bearing time in mind, but I do think let's, oh. I'm going to take a note of this. Cause I know every week people who listen are probably going, they always say they'll do a thing and then they don't, but um, I'm taking note of uh, yeah. That's cause that's cause I, I, it comes back to personal stuff. Like my memory for stuff is rubbish. Yeah. Um, and even I, in our WhatsApp group, I try and you said, you, you said this a few weeks ago. You're like, mm, yeah, I don't feel like talking about that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Or, or I don't remember. <laughs> Or you don't remember, or else yeah. we what we need to start doing, Stephen, is like recording four podcasts in one day when they're when all the ideas are flowing. Good idea, you know? good idea. <laughs> but but that that would be like after the fourth hour, like ah, this thing. 
<laughs> our voices are just gone. Uh, <laughs> you know. What do you want to say about that? <laughs> but no, I think, like, I wonder that, just even like with the Japanese thing, like, and even in Germany, like, as I said, they're very forward looking because it was a great shame in looking back at, at what yeah. happened and what the country had done and the amount of, of um, concentration camps and everything. And like, I do think in Ireland, you could, um, as a country, you, there could be a push. Uh, don't ask me how, but look, lads, let's move on. Let's just forget all this famine stuff. Let's just forget all this. And, and you know, what would that look like? What would Ireland look like in that? And then maybe some people feel in a way the Celtic Tiger had a, was a flavor of that. Of sure. Being sure. materialistic, looking... Looking forward, building big shiny buildings in Dublin and all that. And mm. You might say, "Is that the one we want?" Yes, right <laughs> or yeah, but progress. Right? What is progress? You know, is progress just mass forgetting? Mm. I don't know. Um, Speaking of forgetting as well, because I know a few months ago we were in the midst of stuff that we're not talking about that much, but. Um, we were, in a, we were talking about the idea of using the crisis and the, the lockdown and everything to reset, to rethink. And you said, Stephen, the danger of the great forgetting. And we went on to talk about that. And mm. I'm curious, do you think we are going into a great forgetting right now? Yes, mm -hmm. I really do. Um, I think there is an incredible push to get back to normal. Um, and it's for entirely uh, understandable reasons. Um, it makes total sense that people would want to do that. But yeah. it, it, it's almost like everyone is willing the virus away, you know? Yeah. They're sort of going, if I just, like, it's, it's sort of a, a hope-based strategy, which is never good, you know? Um, and it, it's, it, it feels like if there was a, if there was a vaccine tomorrow, we would just go hooray and it would just be straight back into the way it was before. Um, I, I, I don't see that as likely, um, but I, I, I think that there's going to be a desire, a very, very strong, powerful desire to get back to the way things were. The, the costs of the current situation, because it's temporary, mm -hmm. are mounting. So, you know, I'm talking to you now from my spare room and yeah. you're in yours and we're, yeah. and this is grand, you know, we're privileged to have them and it's, you know, it's great. Um, but like if somebody said to me in February, listen, dude, you're going to be in your spare room until December. Right. I yeah. mean, as privileged as I am, I would be like, that seems less than ideal, yeah. you know? Um, and again, I occupy a p position of incredible privilege. I recognize that. So um, for the people who don't to say, well, listen, you've got to stick at this, but it won't be forever, but we're not quite sure when it's going to end, but also don't, don't change anything, but also change everything. That kind of messaging is very difficult for people to handle and it increases levels of anxiety. Um, and then, you know, that, 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 that will, I'm sure lead to um, all kinds of negative outcomes for people and, into the future and then we'll have to deal with those it's you know? it's just i suppose there was um and, and this is really focusing on the forgetting thing and the speed at which uh, we we adjusted to this and the speed at which we're always adjusting but um certainly around the lack of cars in town mm. 
that was very nice. Yeah. I was very positive. Um, and uh, about five weeks ago, uh, I twisted my ankle. I, I, I sprained my ankle. I, I, was, I was going out on the road. I was walking out on what's called Condell Road, out the, the new bridge out of Limerick. And there's people walking towards me. And of course, COVID, I stepped onto the grass to mm-hmm. make way for them. And I wasn't running. I was just walking with a bit of purpose. I wasn't wearing great shoes, just kind of fashion runners, whatever, and not mm. proper runners. And I just stepped into a little dip, a little hole in the grass, whatever, and <clears throat> over my ankle, Ouch. unpleasant, on my knees, crying. Mm. And... Uh, <laughs> Such dignity. I mean, you, can, oh, no. you can't imagine how brilliant I felt. Anyway, um, Jenny was helping me up. We were walking the dogs. The dogs were like, what's happened? You know? And next thing I see this car um, in the middle of the road. Like, there's kind of two lanes coming back in. There's one lane going out, two lanes coming back in. And this car was in the middle, hazards on, window down. And it's a friend of mine, Aoife, who works in the arts office and she's like, are you okay? Do you need a lift? You know, and just being a hero. Right. Yes. And I, and I, I stood up and I was like, you know, I was like, maybe I could hobble home. And then I stood up and I went, no way I can't. And in the moments it took me, her to communicate to me that she can, she could drop me to my house. And I hobbled over. There were cars driving around her, mm-hmm. beeping, screaming out the window. What? Like the rage was unbelievable. Why? It was like 11 o'clock. It was 9 a.m. And this is something I have noticed. I live in the city is um, the roads have opened up. The, the roads are the thing that kind of opened up again, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and Limerick's pedestrian setup has been just atrocious. And the whole thing has been really badly handled. And what's, that's four podcasts. But um, as a person who lives in the city, to walk around, it's just not not fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone has come back, but there's this pent-up energy of three or four months not being able to drive, and it's like the patience is gone. Yeah. Whereas I thought everyone's going to come back and it'll be like, you know, living in Robin and Rosie, Cockleshell sure. Bay, whatever. Everyone's going to be really village-like in that. But instead, there's such a fury on the roads that I have seen even driving in town that did not exist before lockdown and mm. only might exist at rush hour, if even yeah. but at rush hour, you can't go fast. So not really. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if that's a forgetting. It's like the reset has happened, but it's a, not a good thing. But it's also, it also goes back to the, like, like everyone's level of anxiety is just a bit higher. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I have to take, I have to take the kids into town um, for an appointment. Um, right after this yeah yeah so i have to bring masks and a hand sanitizer and plan where we're going to go and you know there's like there's, there's like uh, level right and yeah. it's it's kind of going it, everyone has to deal with that like le- generalized slightly higher level of anxiety yeah and it's, and it's manifest, and manifests in, in i wonder i wonder could you test that empirically you would how would you see it like road rage crimes and stuff like that people getting cited for road rage and stuff would that go through the roof as i said these aren't figures these are not even my mate telling me it's just stuff i have observed as well it's real i mean it's it's not you know this is real stuff Mm. um you know the the plural of of anecdote is is anecdata uh and and then you get no it's not i just made that up um but it's it's uh 
it's it's uh, um, it's data is just counting up experiences, right? That's all. Yeah. That the data set I is. I love the so, idea yeah. that the singular of data is dote. That'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, yeah. So I I suppose what's mad is this idea of forgetting. It is happening fast. In then, this mad then, world we're in now. And then it's like, okay, so if it's a process, right, like a river, mm-hmm. a river flows, and the river flows in a particular direction because of the uh, conditions that mm. the river finds itself in, you know, but we know how to divert rivers. We can, we, and we know how to, we, we know how to do this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. There's engineers that move rivers around. Um, they, sometimes they do a great job. Sometimes they do a crap job, but the point is, they do it. They create yeah. dams. We move these things. So, so if forgetting is a social process, right? And we can we do it at different speeds depending on things, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on features. Then <clears throat> the task is twofold. First, discover what those features are. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah. Game of Thrones, right? So what what's the feature? It does, does it have to be a generalized experience? Or is it something that you're taught when you're young? You know? Uh, is the reason that we all care about the famine the fact that we learned it all when we were eight? I, I don't know, right? But what are the features of it? The second thing is, under what conditions can you move the river? Like, it's a really interesting thing. Because yeah. imagine, imagine you have a conflict situation, right? Where you, you, where, where you can create the conditions under which a more peaceful outcome is possible. Not by, like, brainwashing everybody like some giant men in black you know, just turn the spire and double it into that men in black thing and put on the glasses and go bang. That's not the idea, right? It's, it's, it's something that's saying that there's a process whereby this can happen. And maybe, and Biner's idea, by the way, of social forgetting is not that it's ignored. It's just that, the, or that, you know, the, the, the history of Ulster, for example, is, is what he's talking about. Yeah. It's not that it's ignored, like, obviously it's not ignored, but that it doesn't, influence the emotional response of somebody in 2020 because like let's face it it shouldn't you know like i i i I was i was once on a podcast with the economist uh, magazine and uh, they asked me like okay Stephen, can you can you just take us through you know the roots of brexit and i said well we have to go back to the 17th century for that do you want to do that and they were like no no Stephen, we don't we've got eight minutes so no uh and i was like okay um they said maybe starting 2060 but but but, like that's where these things are so you shouldn't forget history but you probably shouldn't be bound by it either as we're seeing with the you know there's a there's a discussion about statues at the moment and or 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 signifiers of colonial power i guess more generally and the question is like what should we do with those things do you want to forget those things no you don't they're actually pieces of art a lot of the time right and they were they are representatives of the time but the difference is like, do you stick it in a museum or do you put it on a pedestal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I'd rather the thing be in a museum, frankly speaking. And then you go, well, what should go up there? What yeah. is, this is an artistic question as much as anything else. Sure. What should we put as our emblems of our best selves? Do you know? Yeah. Like, like, like think about it in a limerick context. What is the, what is our, if you had to pick 10 things, what are the emblems of our best selves? You know, mm-hmm. I, one is easy. You know, there's like, there's a great statue in Shannon airport 
and it's of two lads playing rugby. And one of them is, they're supposed to be generic, but one is very suspiciously Paul O'Connell shaped. Definitely Paul O'Connell, yes. To be fair. Um, um, they're, uh, they're supposed to be generic, but I don't think they are. Yeah. Um, I, could, I, I, I could be uh, uh, um, um, transferring, is that, is that the thing? Uh, you, I, I think so. Yeah, but I, I don't think I am. But like, exactly. what are the top 10 things? What are the top 10 things of our, um, our experience mm-hmm. in 2020? Let's say this is us. This is our best selves in 2020, rather yeah. than or, or whatever, or in, in in the 20th century, 21st century. Pick a thing. 21st you know? century. It's only 20 years old. Um, know, but but, but, but <laughs> we we now we have a fab lab in Limerick. We can 3D print statues once a week if we want. That's true. Yeah. So um, so we could do that. Yeah 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 yeah. Well, you put you me know? on the spot now. I I mean, gee, do I we even remember my statues? own name? Huh? We have holographs. You know. Well, I feel statues. Oh, I'm I'm conscious of time. Like the thing oh, yeah. for me with statue, I always I end every every podcast. I'm conscious of time. Um, for me, the notion of a statue being an actual literal representation of someone is unnecessary. You know, because then you're really trying to get into likeness. Not I. I much rather. Like I remember when Terry Wogan's statue was being revealed there was a, a, a thing that I saw a photo of something. I don't know what it was. Obviously it wasn't a statue, but it was a, a gramophone. And I thought, oh, is that what they're doing for Terry Wogan? Because oh, okay. he, he was on the radio and that's, yeah. that's yeah. lovely. Or a microphone sure. or yeah. something. Instead, hmm. you're trying to approximate what, if, if, you know, like even James Connolly, even Daniel O'Connell, those are on really tall pedestals and they are completely out of proportion and they're giant hmm. and they are not the literal physical proportions of what those men look like. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and unfortunately, Richard Harris as, as King Arthur on, on Bedford Row yeah. as a statue, um, for some reason holding the sword by the blade, um, when there was criticisms of it, it was said, well, that was his literal physical thing. But statues are not meant to look like humans. Like mm. they're meant to be bigger and mad. Like they're, they're, they're yeah. bigger than life because yeah. it's not alive. It's, a, it's an inanimate object. Yeah. And so I... I think it's much more interesting to have something that symbolizes or that's mm. beautiful and, and, and captures a spirit rather than looks like, you know, or approximately looks like someone and is yeah. their exact measurement. Yeah. Um, that's my yeah, Which is that. weird, right? I mean, it is weird. You see it, it looks out of proportion, even though it's yeah. perfectly in proportion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. the problem because you're trying to do something. Like what you need to do is look at the art of what a statue is and what public art does and, and talk to artists rather than commission somebody who makes something to look like someone, you know, and I'm not slagging the people who've made the, the, the statues, but it's a very, um, we, we, the thinking certainly in Limerick sometimes around the city and the framing of the city, people who have a lot better ideas and we've won the biggest art colleges, one of the best art colleges in the country here. Mm-hmm are not approached and it's just some the idea of one councillor who wants their name on a plaque in a year yeah. in time and have it done in their reign of whatever uh, mm. as mayor and it's just just ask us lads just yeah. ask us yeah there's so many good ideas we have better, so many good ideas we have better ideas <laughs> 
but hey, I have to retrain, you know, my, my industry is gone. So I have to go retrain as something else. According well, to what well, that, that's definitely one for another podcast. As another um, podcast. And I, I didn't mean to end on an unpleasant note. I'm really fine. No, no, that's, that's not unpleasant at all. But change <laughs> changes, both pleasant and unpleasant. Right. Absolutely. The idea of, the idea of that, um, the idea of, the, of, the, of, of, of altering all that, you know. And the problem with statues is like that. There's no forgetting them because if you look at them all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's no forgetting them. And if they, if they obsess you or upset you. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're somebody from a background of, you know, marginalization and you have to walk past a statue of a lad who made a fortune off, you know, slavery or whatever. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not great. Like that's, 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 that's actively oppressing you. So, yeah. you know that I can see the logic for throwing that lad in the sea and fair play to the people of Bristol for doing so. Um, yeah. But it does, it does sort of ask a question about like, okay, do we forget that guy? Right. Do we, it, uh, you know, do, do we reassess his legacy? Um, the Princeton, Princeton, uh, one of their former presidents, Woodrow Wood, Wood Wilson, um, he was also a president of the United States, of course, and uh, they took his name off all the buildings and the name of their, their public uh, school. You know, um, um, yeah. So, so it's no, it's no longer the Woodrow Wilson School of International Affairs. It's just the Princeton School of International Affairs. What did so he they reassessed do? their relationship. I can't, I can't remember what. What did he do? Uh, he was a a small bit of a racist. A small bit of a racist. Small bit of a racist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 He, he was no. Partial to the odd racism. <laughs> the odd racism at the end at the end of a week. You know. When he was nine, he was on Twitter and he was still yeah, He was tweeting away with Woodrow Wilson, you know, <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah. Well, I do. I remember him, the League of Nations was a big thing for him. Was he? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He sort of carved up. There's a brilliant story about that. I'll tell you another time. Okay. Um, I, I, three I, men who don't understand geography try to carve up the world. Oh. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm, I've taken notes of all these things. They're going into the WhatsApp scene. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, I won't remember. Uh, and I know last week we said goodbye to Kian. He, this is actually his last official episode producing. Uh, so Kian and Breezy, take it easy in Madrid. We love you loads. And you've been a wonderful producer and we'll miss you. Um, Thank you. And yeah, just, just again, just thanks a million for everything. And uh, we're not taking you off the WhatsApp group. You still have to put up with our nonsense. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we just want pictures, basically, of... of uh, of this lovely place that you live in so that we can live vicariously through you. And maybe come visit when the green list is republished. <laughs> uh, Stephen is ever delightful and we have loads to talk about. I better write it all down now for the next number of podcasts. Cool. <laughs> Take care. Take Bye. care. Bye. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Kian Reinhardt theme tune composed and performed by David Blake. Follow Stephen Kinsler on Twitter at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne Blake at Anne Blake 78. She is an Anne with no E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. If you have any questions, you can get to any of these Twitter accounts or follow the hashtag Anne Steve Talk.